Hello, 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 and welcome. This is Talk the Plank, episode 68, Pittsburgh Pirates podcast on SB Nation's Bucks Dugout. I'm Nathan Hirsch, and I'm with Jake Slobodnik, and today we are here talking about the best team in baseball, perhaps? The Pittsburgh Pirates fresh off a sweep against the Los Angeles Dodgers in L.A. Jake, what's up? Uh... I don't know that that series was something, wasn't it? Uh, we saw the 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 fate of the Dodgers, a bunch of players who were nobodies going into this, just completely upend the, the and and completely flip the baseball world upside down. I don't understand what happened. If you would have told me at the beginning of the year we would get our first sweep against the Dodgers, I would have told you you're silly. But wow, what a series! What a way to get your first sweep in over two years. And uh, this uh, this might give some way for the Pirates for the rest of the season, but it's it's been it was a good series, Nate. Yeah, and like you said, first Pirates sweep since twenty twenty. That's insane. Also, another insane little stat: it's the first time the Pirates swept the Dodgers in Los Angeles since two thousand. So, second time this millennium. That has happened. Uh, yeah, I mean, you look at these games. Game one, the Pirates, they had a lead, blew the lead, retook the lead. That was as close as a, I guess, playoff atmosphere, you could say, for the Pirates that I've witnessed in quite some time. Game two, Pirates got a lead, held it. Game three, Pirates got a lead and held it. So I, I don't know. Like you said, I don't know what happened. I think one trend is the pitching has looked pretty solid, I would say, as of late for the Pirates. But I don't know if the Dodgers were sleepwalking, if they just assumed playing Pirates, it was just going to be easy wins. But I don't know. By game three, they had already lost two, and they still couldn't win. So... I, I'm as surprised as anyone, and I remember, too, on our last pod, we kind of previewed the the uh, road trip against San Diego and L.A., and I thought they would win one game out of six. Well, they went four and two, so the Pirates, as it sits right now, 22 and 27, third in the National League Central, I believe their run differential isn't I, – I think it's tied now for the worst in baseball. They don't have it themselves at minus 77. Uh, nope, I take it back. The Washington Nationals have the worst run differential in baseball, minus 83. So tied for the second worst run differential, the Pirates. So they're, they're scratching back in that regard. Obviously, who cares when you're winning games, but – 22 and 27 has never really felt so sweet, in my opinion. And I kind of myself set the barometer of Pirates' success this season. If they can hover around five games under 500 for as long as possible, I consider that a win. And here we are. We're in June. Pirates are only five games under 500. I think it feels good just because they really earned this. They, you know, they didn't play a bunch of cakewalk teams at the beginning of the season. And when they did, they, they weren't easy wins. They were uh, very competitive bouts. But for the most part, I think we've had a competitive schedule so far. And to be five games under 500, I think that really speaks to 
sort of how uh, the future sort of looks for the Pirates. I mean, we've, this this entire road trip was based on the Youngbloods um, with so many of our vets out, including, you know, Daniel Vogelbach, who was one of the better spots for this roster at the beginning of the season. And him being out, I mean, there have been a lot of guys that stepped up, uh, one of them being Tucapita Marcano in the uh, – Dodgers series back-to-back days with a home run and he didn't just do it against any scrap pitcher uh he did it against Walker Bueller and then Julio Urias like (laughs) that that's pretty that's not only intriguing just because you know he did it against two of the better pitchers in baseball but this guy came up from double a it's not like he had a moment to adjust a little bit better to somewhat major league pitching in triple a the guy went from Altoona to Pittsburgh well I guess Altoona to Los Angeles if you will and he looked pretty good, and in the finale, he went one for four, but his home run being his only hit, and then he had a couple hits in his second game. Um, that, I think, speaks to levels of where our talent is heading, and I don't want to call Ben Charrington a master class, but I know I've been ragging on him lately, but, I mean, Marcano was a guy that Charrington went out and got, and uh, it was, I mean, Nate, you remember my reaction when he first came over. I was pretty upset, but... Um, so far, he's looked pretty good. Tyler Heineman, not many people like him because he was a, cl- a waiver claim from Toronto, and his average doesn't say too much. But overall, this Dodgers series, he looked really good. He went three for four in the second game. And, I mean, defensively, he looks like almost Jacob Stallings on defense. Like, he's able to throw runners out. He's blocking efficiently. He just he looks a lot better behind the dish than, say, Michael Perez Roberto Perez, I can't really say he looks better than, but he definitely has a little bit of an upgrade there just because, you know, he's he's a little bit more mobile. But that's good to see. Rodolfo Castro went two for two in the series finale with a home run, which he hit in off the handle, which I don't understand how. I, I'm still processing how that one left the yard. Uh, yeah. And Nate, I think you owe a little bit of an apology to Michael Chavis because he's still on fire. No, oh, he's awesome. And I... I remember, yeah, that, that one pod in spring training, I said I was done with Michael Chavis. That was, put that up there for uh, dumbest hot takes of the year, early, early hot takes. But yeah, Chavis has been awesome for the Pirates. I mean, he's still, still hitting 298, 333, 504 slugging, slugging over 500. Uh, I, I do think it's interesting, though, looking at some of the uh, young players that have been coming up, it does seem like, Ben Sherrington's really rolling with his guys right now. You look at the young players on this team, such as Tukapita, who you mentioned, has had a really nice series. He's already fifth on the Pirates in F4 at half a win, which is pretty funny. The same as Brian Reynolds, uh, also pretty funny. But you see he's called up. You see Jack Sawinski called up. He was uh, acquired in the – was he also in the Adam or – was he which trade was I know it was a uh the uh Frazier trade, I believe. Yeah, yeah, I know it was a trade last year. Uh Diego Castillo, another guy. Um even Rolanzi Contreras, that's also a Sherrington guy. But I will say in the minor leagues in AAA, there's still more talent that uh, that's due to come up. We've talked about Cruz obviously forever. He was playing again last night. We're recording this on uh, Friday, get this out later today, but um, he's back from his minor ankle sprain. Travis Swaggerty's starting to heat up. He's looking like a guy that could be called up soon. Um, who else? Mason Martin, obviously. 
And yeah, there's there's just young talent on the way. And I guess Cal Mitchell is he's a Huntington guy, but uh yeah, it does just seem like Sherrington's calling up a lot of his guys first. But that's fine. These young guys have looked pretty good. Swinsky has some pop. Tukapita, I mean sneaky pop. I don't expect that. I don't expect him to be like a 20 home run guy, but hey, if he could be a 10 to 15 home run guy and steal some bases, be solid defensively in multiple positions, who knows? So I definitely have liked what I've seen from him. Overall, it's just nice to see this young talent get infused and kind of start replacing these quad A guys that we've been ripping our hair about out about all season long. And, uh, I think as the season goes along, there's still going to be growing pains, but at least it'll be interesting to watch to see what we have. And I know on Twitter, there's kind of a, there's a pirates Twitter war right now between, you know, Neil Huntington as GM and Ben Sherrington as GM. But I think, I think now is the start time that we can begin to judge the work that Sherrington has done because he has replenished the farm system, but until he gets to the major leagues and performs, that's when we'll fully know whether or not he's done a good job. And now these players are starting to come up. So I think, I think his, uh, his grading, if you will, starts now. So, yeah. Yeah. And like you said, these guys are starting to make their way to the MLB. So now we can start to see, whether these trades that Charrington has made are really paying off. I can actually name two accounts on Twitter that are going back and forth. One takes Huntington's side, one takes Charrington's side. It's a funny thing to see. And it's also – It is funny, and there's a lot of them, actually. I can just name two off the top of my head, but, yeah, there are it's – a, it's a war, and it's kind of funny to sit back and watch. Um, it's also funny to see the Pirates' main account go under the Dodgers' account and completely troll them the entire time. Like, I don't know if they got a new social media director or if – you know, they, they just said, screw it. We're going to go with somebody or we're going to, they said, screw it. I'm going to bring a new image, but whoever it is, they need a raise. And now, because the, that hype video they made after the Dodgers sweep was sick. The trolling after the Dodgers sweep was hilarious. It's, you know, it's good that they're getting in on the, on the, on the trolling. I know we took a little bit of a side turn on this conversation, but I had to address that because I, I think that adds a little bit of camaraderie to this whole war sort of thing. Um, but back on track to the Pirates uh, farm system being replenished, I think I think it's going to be – it's not going to be like in two weeks that we're going to be able to judge this. It'll be more the end of the season roundup thing, and it might even bleed over into next year where we see how exactly this oh, sort of pans sure. out. Right now I'm liking what I'm seeing. Obviously not every – and I think we need to put this disclaimer out there for our listeners and for all Pirates fans. Not every prospect that was brought over in a trade is going to pan out. Um, they all have different skill sets that they can bring to the team. Perfect example, Jack Sawinski. His average sucks, and he's not getting as many hits as I think you would want to see, but the guy can work counts. He can come in in the clutch when, he, when needed. Um, is he a candidate that's probably going to be sent down once all these injuries start to come off the injured list and uh, once the other prospects in AAA like Swaggerty sort, start to blossom a little bit more? Yes, he will probably be sent down probably to triple a because I think he's past double a at this point, but no matter what we are going to see some success. Rowansi is one of them Tukapita at the moment is showing another sign of success. Um, Cal Mitchell really isn't. I think that's just a growing pain to the league and that's a Huntington thing, but 
Um, I think a little bit more work in AAA, you know, he can sort of combine what his experience in the MLB and in the minors and sort of uh, improve from there. But yeah, I think, you know, it's not going to be a quick fix. It's definitely going to take a lot more time before uh, we can really determine who won the the Huntington versus Charrington battle. I'm liking what I'm seeing from Charrington so far, but I also see some of the bright spots that Huntington left behind. That's not to say one is better than the other, but you know, they each bring something nice. And I think that's what we all need to step back and realize now, now 2023 and 24. Sure. If we're not in a place where we're like noticeably getting better and winning more, then I think it's safe to say that Sherrington is a bust, but right now he's starting to incline in terms of valor, but he's not right there yet. But, um, it's a, it's a process. It's a marathon, not a sprint. This isn't the 2020 season where you need to prove your worth now. Um, but I also, we can't go over the batters from the West Coast trip without going over the pitching because our pitching looked a lot better. And um, especially in this last game, yeah. Jose Quintana kind of looked a little rough, giving up seven hits and two earned runs. Um, but he struck out three, which isn't bad. Chase DeYoung, I don't know what the hell got into him. I'm still not sold on him, but the fact that he's got a 186 ERA after this long, um, he got the win. He's 2-0 this season. That's looking okay, considering he was been, he's been garbage the past few years with the Pirates. Chris Stratton got his ERA under four. Thank God. Dylan Peters is starting to scare me a little bit. His location seems, seems a little bit off, but... That's just minor. The big headliner that I think I'm getting at here is David Bednar, a new career high, 50 pitches in an outing and uh, 50 pitches, uh-huh. an F-bomb dropped. Uh, this would, the Pirates would do themselves a disservice if they ever got rid of David Bednar. I don't care how good he is or how bad he is. They never, ever need to part ways with him just because he brings that hometown motivation. I mean, he's from the Pittsburgh area, as it's mentioned how many times. Sounds like a broken record. But if they ever get rid of David Bednar, that would be a big blow to the Pirates franchise. The guy is great. The guy, you know, I knew he was good coming in after he was acquired in the trade, but I never knew he'd be this good. But he is good for this Pirates organization. He's good for Pittsburgh. We need to keep him here. And I'm really glad to see that he's blossoming with the Pirates. Yeah, Bednar is awesome. And I'm looking at it right now. Fangraphs, David Bednar, fifth best reliever this season in terms of F4, 0.9. And on the Pirates as a whole, he is the second highest war um, behind behind Jose Quintana for all pitchers, that is. The pitching in general, you're right. You know, you look at it and you can kind of see it's starting to gel a little bit. Obviously, Bednar... As far as the bullpen goes, obviously Bednar is a top-end closer in Major League Baseball. I can say that confidently. Stratton has come back come back to what we've expected of him. Uh, you said the ERA is under four. The FIP, 260. So he's still getting a little unlucky, but that's starting to regress back to the mean in terms of his bad luck becoming just normal luck. He's a solid setup guy. Will Crow, also a solid setup guy, fireman type guy, you know, high leverage situation guy. He's been solid. Dwayne Underwood Jr. has also been solid. That 98-mile-an-hour fastball is 
playing. He's got over 10 strikeouts per nine. Um, he's only pitched 12 innings this year, but he has looked really good. So, I mean, back into the bullpen, that's four guys right there. Now, I didn't even mention Peters, who has kind of fallen off. Peters, if he just can settle into that long relief role, that's fine. I, I don't... I don't think it's really sustainable to do what he did at the beginning of the year, just because you look at it, he's barely striking out more batters than he's walking, but still as a long relief guy. I don't hate it. And as far as the starting rotation goes, I'm, I'm getting a little excited here. I'm not going to lie. Quintana at the top has held things down. Um, he's not going to be a 232 ERA guy all season long, but if he can get up towards, maybe not 200 innings, but 150 or so innings and keep that ERA in the three to four range. I think that's a huge win. JT Brubaker, all of a sudden you look at him, his ERA is at 415. Not too bad. The XFIP is also at 415. The XERA is at 348. So he's looking like a guy. If you can keep that ERA in the low fours, you'll take it. Uh, Rowanzi Contreras. I mean, you know, we, we've both expressed what we expect from him. He's going to be that dude. He's going to be awesome. And just continuing to get reps this season as a starter, that's just fun. Every fifth day, it's already Rowanzi day. So if he could be that ace, you know, sometime in the future, that's good. And then even at the bottom, Zach Thompson had a really solid May. Uh, the ERA is still above five, but in April it was above 10. So, Thompson had a nice start against the Dodgers. Five innings, only two runs given up. And every time every time I think I'm out, he just reels me back in. Mitch freaking Keller had a really nice start against the Dodgers. Maybe not really nice, but a good start considering he walked five over five innings. Only gave up two runs. Um, the ERA is still 577. Still not great, but he unleashed the sinker against the Dodgers, and the Dodgers really couldn't figure it out hits-wise. They took their walks. Mitch Keller also really had – he kind of struggled figuring it out himself sinker-wise. But, man, if he can dot that sinker at 96, 95 with that movement he was getting on that pitch, I'm back. I am. And if Mitch Keller's our fifth starter – you could do worse, I think. Um, I don't know. But I just named nine pitchers right there that I think are pretty good. And I didn't even get into, you know, uh, Yeri De Los Santos, who's who's up. Max, well, Max, I don't know what happened to Max Granick currently. but uh, He got hurt. Yeah, injured. Um, is Banda back? Yeah, he Banda? Is, and he's not looking too good. Yeah, he's not looking great. But... Yeah, I don't know. That's nine pitchers I named right there that all are trending upwards, I would say. And, I mean, I think pitching was the key in this Dodgers series, and they just got to keep it rolling, obviously. Yeah, and you, there's a few names that you pointed out. We'll start with Mitch Keller. If he, Like you said, if he can keep that sinker effective, and obviously the walks, walk rate was a little high in, that, in his last start, but I think that's because he was still trying to figure out the kinks of that sinker. But when it was on, it was on. And if he can keep, that, if he can keep it on, for lack of a better phrase, uh, he's going to be that effective pitcher that we thought we would get the past how many years. And who knows? Ray Searidge is probably singing praises right now. Um, hmm. But 
Yeah, I, I'm really upset that we didn't use De Los Santos more. Like, I, I don't understand why he didn't get much of a chance against the Dodgers, especially in yesterday's game. Personally, I wouldn't have brought Stratton in at that moment. I would have given the ball to De Los Santos, try to give them a little bit of something new. Thankfully, it worked out. Um, but I, I'm very, I'm very questionable why they did that. But in general, you mentioned nine pitchers, Underwood being one of them. That's a surprise candidate for being real for a breakout year. I don't know how he's doing it, but he's doing really well since being injured. Nine pitchers in this entire staff are on the active roster right now. That's not a bad number considering the Pirates pitching was garbage the past how many years. I'll take that gladly. Um, and hopefully things stay stay well for JT Brubaker. He's going tonight against the, the Arizona Diamondbacks, which, I mean, they have a team of okay hitters. I mean, they're right in the ballpark as us in terms of record and competition-wise. But I'm, I'm going to put this out there right now. I remember last year when we had that when we had those great series against the New York Mets, when we looked like world beaters, we would then play the Arizona Diamondbacks and they crushed us. I believe Um, I know I remember that because I remember thinking that everybody was so hyped on the pirates at that moment. Then we got beat by the Diamondbacks and they're like, well, how did we lose to them? Well, here's the thing. We played down to lower competition. We played up to the Dodgers and it worked well for us. Our pitching was on point. Coaching decisions were, better than they were um shelton obviously trying to bond a little too much in that series was something but um he made the right moves the pitchers were on point hitters were pretty good um i i think we need to take this with a grain of salt though because the diamondbacks could come out and surprise people tonight merrill kelly isn't that bad of a pitcher and i know i just sort of unofficially segued but um jt rubaker he's been on a hot streak and if he can keep that up tonight, I mean, he'll, he'll be at home. So that's a good thing. Hopefully Derek Shelton makes the right decision in catching Taylor or Tyler Heineman. I don't know why I always want to call him Taylor, but if he catches Heineman tonight, I, I I'm noticing that I think he's got a better relationship with these pitchers than anything other than with Michael Perez. Um, so I would hope that he would start or start him with Brubaker. Not too sure if he will though, but hopefully he does. Um, I think Brubaker's in for another good night. I think if his sinker's working well, cause Brew's got that, his slider. Um, I have to take a look at the Diamondbacks lineup, or at least their main roster, to see how many righties he has, or righties they have. But if he can keep, make that slider effective tonight and break on the back tour, I think he'll be fine. Um, and I think going forward, Brubaker will be fine too. Hopefully he just, it was just a rough patch for him. That's what I'm hoping. I hope it was a rough, a rough patch for all these, these pitchers and that April was just a month we can put behind us. Thompson, you mentioned this looked better. Not great, but definitely better. Quintana has been outstanding. Rowanzi is Rowanzi. Like the, the this, we're at a good point right now with Pirates pitching because you can point out good things from every single one of them. We're not just saying this guy sucks anymore. We're not saying Mitch Keller is just serving up meatballs. We're not saying JT Brubaker is a walk machine who can't th- who can't hit the locations at all. There there are some good things about these pitchers. Sure, there's some things they need to work on, but for the most part, they've been pretty good. So, um. If we can keep this up against the Diamondbacks, I'm not, I'm not hopeful that we'll get another sweep because that is <laughs> the chances of that happening are very, very slim. But I think it'll be a strong series coming up, and I think that sweep that against the Dodgers definitely put them on a platform of momentum to where they want to be right now, and it, it gives them good momentum heading into the series. They're riding high; everybody's in good spirits. 
The only thing that I fear of is that Derek Shelton's in over his head going into the series because I think that he thinks that he might that he is the godsend for Pittsburgh that you know, and I know I'm exaggerating, but he is the godsend for Pittsburgh that can make this team win against tougher competition. I don't know. I I see this as a good opportunity for them to continue building on what they have, but I'm also fearful of what might come. Yeah, and when you look at the Diamondbacks, uh, they're they're no slouches this season. They're 25 and 27, so they've they've won some games. Um, I think tonight is definitely key, and the the pitcher they're facing tonight, um, Kelly. You mentioned he's he's kind of struggled over his last four starts. I was looking at it here. Last four starts, he's given up three runs over five, three runs over five against Los Angeles. Uh, he gave up eight over two innings. Uh, May 17th and three runs over five. So that's his last four starts. I, I think, uh, I think tonight is key for the pirates. If they can somehow pull out a victory tonight, I think it'll really help propel them for the rest of this series. And, you know, you look at the, the other pitching matchups, we have Brubaker against Kelly, as you mentioned, Rowanzi Contreras on Saturday, he faces off against, Zach Davies, who Davies, he's not very good. And I feel like the Pirates have pretty solid success against Davies in the past. But Davies' last four starts, three earned runs, four earned runs, five earned runs, three earned runs. So not not crazy. He has that like 87-mile-an-hour fastball. Also, on a side note, have, have you heard the story about Zach Davies lately? Yeah, I just saw something on Twitter about him being a complete dick, so I, I I hope that we crush him. Yeah, apparently he ghosted his wife and cut off all communication with her for like a year or something like that. I don't I don't want to get the details wrong, but yeah, if if you're listening to this and you don't know the Zach Davies story, just look that up. Really strange, really crazy. Dude sounds like a complete scumbag, and like you said, Hopefully the Pirates blow him up for, you know, six, seven runs in that one. And Rowanzi pitches a gem. But, yeah, that's the Saturday game. And then the Sunday game, I will say, that's probably the toughest pitching matchup for the Pirates. It'll be uh, Zach Thompson against Zach Gallen. And Gallen has been really, really good this year. He's 4-0, 232 ERA. Although two starts ago against the lowly Kansas City Royals, he did give up six runs over five and a third. But in his last start, he bounced back pretty solidly against the Braves. He gave up two earned runs over five and two thirds. So that'll be a tough test for the Pirates offense. But I'm gonna I'm gonna keep the optimism going here. I'm gonna I'm gonna say the Pirates take two out of three. That's a fair point. I think they're going to take two out of three. I think the biggest struggle they'll have is against Zach Gallen, but um, I think two, two or three is a safe bet. Um, but yes, building off what you said, if you haven't seen what happened with Zach Davies, go like Nate, like Nate said, check up on it, read about it, and you'll understand why we hope the Pirates just completely obliterate him. Yeah, just absolutely crazy, to be honest. Uh, yeah, I, I think the Pirates will win two out of three, but I will say... Gotta, I gotta let my inner pirate self out here a little bit. If they get swept, the pirates that is wouldn't be surprised one bit because uh, the Diamondbacks have been a thorn in the pirate side over the years, as you mentioned, and uh, 
I hope I'm wrong on that in that regard. I hope that doesn't happen, but I wouldn't be surprised. But I'm going to try to keep it positive here. Pirates, two out of three. Um, is there anything else you want to touch on here before before we sign out? Yeah. Here? What in the hell was the point in acquiring Yu Chang? I was actually going to bring that up myself. And once again, I I don't know. I guess I guess because he could play a little bit of first base, but Chavis is back. So what's the point? Uh, I mean, just add him to the list of, I can't really crap on Josh Van Meter as much lately because he's been hitting a little bit as of late, but uh, yeah, add him to the, the pile of Josh Van Meters and Hoy Parks and Yoshi Tsutsugos because, yeah, I don't understand the point of having him at all. And, yeah, it's only been one series, but I, I'm i over him. I'm over him. I don't need to see him play anymore. He has been a disaster. I don't think he has a hit yet. Does he have a hit yet? Nope, he does not have a hit. He has a hit by pitch, but he does not have a he hit. He has a hit by pitch on the season. Let me see if I can find it here real quick. I think he had like six total strikeouts this entire series. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, his K rate with the Pirates. His strikeout rate with the Pirates is 62.5%. And on the season, on the season as a whole, Chang is 0 for 18. Or maybe I think over seventeen with one hit by pitch, as you mentioned, his uh, WRC plus is minus seventy six. Strikeout rate with both teams, he was acquired from Cleveland. Strikeout rate sixty six point seven percent. So of those eighteen plate appearances, twelve have resulted in strikeouts. Look at me, math, but. Uh, yeah. Oh my god. This guy sucks. This guy sucks. There was I know he can play a little bit of first base, but the dude can't hit. If you I don't know how many at bats of his you watched this series, the dude looked entirely lost. And he when he would strike out, he wouldn't show frustration. He'd just be like, Okay, I struck out. I don't give a shit. Like it's the guy is yeah. terrible. And there is you know, we keep him in the DH spot. See, that's the most intriguing thing about this. We get him because he can play a little bit of first base, but yet he has yet to play first base for us. He's been in the DH slot the entire time he's been with us so far. This makes no sense to me. I'm sure once things get better and either Daniel Vogelbach or uh, Yoshi even gets off the IL, we're demoting him to AAA or maybe even DFAing him because. Yeah, he'll be DFA'd. He's out of minor league options. And, uh, Yeah, no, I'm looking at it right now. I mean, he could play a little first, he could play a little second, he could play a little third. But, yeah, I mean, this season, it's been a disaster over 18 plate appearances. Obviously, the sample size is small, yada, yada, yada. I will say, in 2021, he did supply a tad bit of power. He had nine home runs over 251 plate appearances. So if you average that over 600 plate appearances, that's like – that's 20-something home run power. But, yeah, I mean, you look at his line last year, 228 average, 267 on base, 426 slugging, not terrible. The WRC Plus still under 100, but he was a positive war player last season. He was worth 
0.6 F war, but yeah, I mean, he's always struck out a ton and he doesn't really walk that much. I, I don't know. I, maybe, maybe this is just like a, a week or two experiment with you Chang on the pirates, but I expect, like you said, once some of these players come back from injury, he should be DFA'd, right? I would say so. That would make sense. Yeah, we'll see. Um, looking at this Pirates schedule a little further after Arizona real quick. The Pirates, they, they have a five-game homestand, three against Arizona, two against Detroit. It'd be pretty nice if the Pirates could win like at least three of these next five. I think that would be a win. And then they head on an eight-game road trip after that at Atlanta and at St. Louis, four games each. That's not going to be too easy. Then they come home for San Francisco, also not going to be that easy. So um, the road ahead, we'll see what happens. Uh, We didn't think the Pirates had any chance at all against the Padres and Dodgers, and the Pirates were really, really close to, honestly, winning six games. They won four. They only won one out of three against San Diego, but you know they lost one of those games in extras and the other one they lost 4 to 3 so maybe something's brewing here maybe i mean i don't i don't want to be uh i don't want to be like reading too much into it but don't look now but since the pirates lost 18 to 4 against st louis they are 6 and 3 and their three losses have been by a combined four runs total. So they've been competitive in all nine games since they lost 18 to four against the Cardinals. So maybe the Derek Shelton speech worked. I, I'm not, I, I don't know. I mean, maybe some magic could be brewing up here in Pittsburgh a little bit. I'm not ready to buy in yet, but I mean, that kind of speaks for itself over the last nine games. I'm not buying into it either. It does speak for itself, and I'm glad to see that we're somewhat uh, more competitive than we were. But um, the true test lies when we hit the road to Atlanta and St. Louis. If we can at least make the most of that and see, these these are trap series that are coming up against the Diamondbacks and Tigers. If we somehow can win those five games, which is a long shot, but if we can get to 500 before we hit the road, (laughs) I'll have a little bit more optimism and say we hit the road. We play one, two, three, four. We play eight games total on this road trip. If we can at least win three to four, I'll be happy. But wishful thinking, um, I'm just going to take it for what it is now. Six and three since that 18 to four loss. I'm happy with it. Hopefully it sticks and hopefully we can can really make the most of this home trip because we're going to need it. All right, one final thing before we go. What just we'll, we'll play a little game real quick. Which game does O'Neill Cruz make his debut? Uh. <laughs> it's like throwing a dart blindfolded. Last game of the season. I'm kidding. Uh, <laughs> if I had to pick, it'd probably be the seventh when we play, play the Tigers because I don't think they'll call him up prior to uh saturday or sunday's game if they were going to call him up yesterday was the day so i'm guessing they're going to call him up on monday the sixth and then he'll play the seventh which is tuesday against the tigers wow 
That's pretty soon. Uh, I'm going to say hot. what? If he stays hot. Sorry. I should. Right, 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 right. I'm going to say Monday, June 13th at the Cardinals. That is nine games from now. That's my guess. Why? There's literally no reason. June 13th, he'll be clearly uh, his time will be his service time will be well manipulated enough by then. I think June 13th is the date, but we'll see. All right, Jake, where can we follow you on Twitter? Follow me at underscore radio, Jake. Awesome. Follow me on Twitter at Nathan underscore Hirsch. And of course, follow Bucks Dugout on Twitter at Bucks Dugout. We got some awesome articles up there. Um, Jake, I don't know if you read the JT Brubaker article, but that's pretty interesting by Austin Beckold. He's a pretty solid writer, and we've been trying to get him on the pod a little bit, but no, nobody, none of the staff really wants to come on the pod. I've been trying, but maybe, maybe, it, maybe I got to try a little harder. I know Austin will. I think um, it's just finding the time for him to come on. But yeah, I saw his article on JT Brubaker. If you haven't read it already, <clears throat> definitely go do that. Very intriguing piece. Austin is a very talented writer, and I mean, he knows his stuff. So, um, yeah, I definitely recommend that. Hopefully, we can get him on the pod. And also, we got something big coming up here on Bucks Dugout within the next week. Hopefully, uh, it was supposed to be this week, but we get got pushed back a week because the big surprise had to push it back a week a little bit. So, stay tuned to Bucks Dugout. Something big's coming your way in a little, in a little bit. Yeah, one final thing. I just I'm looking at the Bucks dugout page right now. It kind of made me laugh, but the the uh, one the one uh, headline here it says Pirates sign infielder Yu Chang, Cole Tucker DFA. They basically DFA'd Cole Tucker for another version of, of Cole Tucker. But uh, I was thinking the same thing. <laughs> that's hilarious. All right, everyone, have a great weekend. Go Pirates, and uh, let's let's keep the good times rolling here. Peace out. <laughs>